Hey everyone, and welcome to SermonCast, where we share just the message portion of our past week's service. We hope this gives you the opportunity to better digest the teaching, whether you're listening to it again or for the first time. And now, this week's message. Jukebox series. I tell you, it's risky when you turn artistic people loose. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> anyway, proud of these guys. They're, they're fun. I'm going to talk a little bit about risk this morning. And I'm going to wrap it in a story that I came across this week. It happened in 2005. It was December 14th, about 8.30 in the morning, when a whale was discovered caught up in some crab uh, lines. There are long lines over the bottom of the ocean, apparently, or somewhere in the ocean. And this humpback whale got caught up in these lines, like 20 of them. They said about 12 on the on the front part of the whale and then about 12 in the back. They weigh about 90 pounds each. And this whale was struggling to keep afloat and keep um, the blowhole, you know, above the surface of the water. The guys got there. There was three divers. And uh, they decided they put their strategy together. It was about 2.30 that afternoon. So who knows how long this whale had been caught. But this uh, these guys basically dove in. They said the, the, it was a very risky maneuver. Stout is one of the guys said because a mere flip of the humpback's massive tail could kill a man. So they had to jump in and cut these cords, get close enough for this whale. Seriously, a lot of risk, in my opinion. Here's the thing that really touching. So I'm going to read their words, not mine. This is in the, the, uh, the account that, that came out from this particular story. <clears throat> the whale floated passively in the water the whole time, he said, giving off a strange kind of vibration. When I was cutting the line through the mouth, its eyes were winking at me, watching me, Miss Kisto said. It was an epic moment of my life. And the whale realized, and when the whale sorry, realized it was free, it began swimming around in circles, according to the rescuers. Mosquito said that they swam to each diver, nuzzled him, then swam to the next one. It seemed kind of affectionate, like a dog that was happy to see you, he said. I never felt threatened. It was amazing, unbelievable experience. Now, there's a lot about this story that's fascinating to me. But one of the things that fascinates me as it pertains to our topic today, which is love. And by the way, the definition of love, according to Webster, is an intense feeling of deep affection. A great interest and pleasure in something. So I'm amazed at the risk of these divers, but really risking their lives to set this whale free. And we're going to talk about that risk because I think there's a risk that God risked for us. I think there's a risk of us worshiping God. I think there's a risk for spouses to trust one another. So we're going to look at this risk and then look at these three different aspects of, of love that we, we deal with. The fruits of the spirit is what we're going to talk about this whole next series. As you can, you can see, we're going to hit the jukebox and one of these fruits of the spirit will come out. So here's Galatians 5. I'm going to start reading verse 18 because this is the setup of the, uh, the, the chapter that talks about the fruits of the spirit. And it goes like this. <clears throat> but if, if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. Jealousy, fits of anger, 
rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And we're going to talk about what happens when we meet Christ and how the trajectory is changed. I also want to add um, one of, uh, you know, Casey has been on stage a few times, but he's uh, kind of the guy behind the screens, uh, the scenes doing all the creative things. And uh, he was, we were doing this podcast this week, uh, devotion and kind of highlighting the fruits of the spirit. And he said, I've been working on how to memorize them. I said, great. How do you, how do you do it? And he said, well, the first three words are single syllable. The next three are two syllable and the next three are three syllable. So he's got them in tears. And so I thought, this is a good little tool. I'm going to pass it along to you. Love, joy, peace. Okay. The next one, patience, kindness, goodness. And then finally, uh, faithfulness is the third tier. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm not sure how many that is, but it's more than two. But I thought it was an interesting way. And, may, you know, maybe we work in these fruits of the Spirit because against these things, there's no law. In other words, you're not going to go wrong when you exercise one of these fruits of the Spirit or several of these fruits of the Spirit. The first thing that we're going to talk about today is love. That's the first one up on the list. So we're going to talk about love first. And the first thing that struck me in this story was the amount of risk that seems to be attached with love. And so I'm going to start with God. Let's uh, think about the risk that God gave man. God blessed them. It says in Genesis 1:28, and God said to them, be fruitful. I thought that was interesting. I never noticed that until I was in this series. First thing he said, be fruitful. Now, we usually think of it as multiplying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. But it's like if you take each one of these, this idea of being fruitful is something that I think certainly has a multiplication, but it also can be these characteristics we're talking about. Be fruitful, God says. First thing, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, sub subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over everything that moves on the earth. And at the end of this particular day, in two verses later, God said it was very good. Up until then, the first five days, this was good, this was good, this was good, fourth day, this was good, fifth day, this was good. The sixth day, it was very good. And that's the day he created man. There was some, there was a creation there that God, and maybe he was thinking of the whole of his creation. This is very good. So with this very good creation, and he puts man in the center of this very good creation. And to me, he gives a, he takes a huge risk because he says, all right, man, here's the deal. You can eat from any tree in the garden, except that one, that one tree in the center of the garden, you must not eat from it. Well, you know that the story after that, but God put a great risk because in that story about eating all the, from all the trees, but not that one tree, God gave man free will. He gave him a choice. You have your, and by your own free will, you can either obey or disobey. It's up to you. And so this idea of this, to me, that's a risky thing to do that God did. 
Why did God risk free will on us? He already knew we'd blow it, but he still, he risked. And I think I'm, maybe I'm going to tap a couple of reasons why God would take such a risk. And we're going to get to those in just a second. But I do think this was something that God said, all right, we're going to let them choose. And I think it's an important thing to choose. The other thing I think God gave a risk on is giving us this great grace in Christ. When you accept Christ, you receive this great grace and you understand, wow, my life is different because of God's touch in my life. He changed my life. But still giving us this grace is risky because we can cheapen grace real easy. This is what mankind does all the time. And I'm sure you and I have done this many times, whether we know it or not. Okay, well, I know that was wrong, but God will forgive me. Oh, that's not as bad. I'm not as bad as that guy. God will forgive me. That's cheapening grace. We have to be careful not to cheapen grace. And it's risky to give man this much grace. Because then they'll say, well, I guess I can just keep sinning so that I get more grace. What did Paul say about that? No, heavens no. Exactly. That's not the point. But it is a risk, I think, that God gives us this free will. He gives us this great grace. I think the reason that God gives us this is because the flip side of this, when someone actually lives within this free will and decides to choose to worship God, choose to do the fruits of the Spirit versus the fruits of the flesh, I think there's great pleasure in the sight of God. He's going... Man, you chose wisely. You chose well. You chose to obey my word. I think there's some people that do a lot with their free will. And like Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. We, we uh, every time a memorial service or a memorial, uh, memorial day or some type of service day, we, we honor those that have gone before us and laid down their lives. They've given their, their last and best and most. They gave their own lives. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this. than he laid down his life. That's what Christ did. He laid down his life for us. He stood in our place. That's a great grace. That's a great risk. Because some people are going to deny it and say, well, it's no big deal. And, but there's some. And I think this is why God does it. Because there's some that come back. There's some that are so thankful, some that are so desiring to please God. And I think that's why God did it. I think that's why he risked. The question I want to ask you is, are you one of those that are very grateful for this touch that you've had from Christ? There's a story in Luke chapter 7. It illustrates this pretty well, I think. Jesus was invited over to a Pharisee's house named Simeon. So he goes over to Simeon's house. And this, uh, now you know when they recline at a table, I've explained this before, but some of you may not have known, been here before. So um, they, they rest their elbow on the floor and the table hits them about this high. They eat with their right hand. They rest on their left hand and their feet are out behind them, their body, their torso, and then their feet are out here. Okay. And so this woman comes in to this banquet hall area. We're around this, probably a pretty large table is what I visualize. And she's, at Jesus' feet, weeping. She's wiping her hair, her, her tears off of Jesus' feet with her hair. She brought in some ointment for his, to anoint his feet with this perfume. Simeon, the Pharisee, 
thought, wow, this guy's a prophet. <laughs> You'd think a prophet would know what kind of woman is at his feet. So Jesus said, hey, Simeon, I got a question for you. Sure, teacher, shoot. So a guy had a, two debtors. One of those debtors owed 50 denarii. The other debtor owed him 500 denarii. Now, the man forgave all the debts of both men. Simeon, who do you think was the most grateful for the forgiveness of those debts? Simeon said, well, he might even stroke his beard a little and make gifts for dramatic effect. Well, I don't know. I would say the one that was forgiven most. <laughs> You're right, Jesus said. He who is forgiven much loves much. Simeon, I came into your house. You didn't wash my feet. But this woman, she's been washing my feet with her tears. When I came into your house, you didn't give me an ointment for my, for my feet. But this woman has poured her ointment over my, my feet since she's been in this room. I think Simeon got the point. The question is, do you and I get the point? We've been forgiven much. We love much. And when you, get, when you give back to God, and when you come in here and you worship God, or you put God first in your life, or you put him first in the things you do, your time and your talent and your tithe, and all that, when you're putting God first in all those things, and that's risky, by the way, and I'm going to talk about it in a second. When you put God, you are worshiping God in a way that I think pleases the heart of God more than you can ever imagine. His desire is for, uh, for us is to obey him. And when we come in and we worship, we put him first. I think we are satisfying a reason why, or maybe the answer to why would God risk free will? Because with free will, some will come back and worship him. They've been forgiven much and they love much. They know that how much grace has made their way possible and they'll do everything they possibly can not to cheapen that grace. I think that's why God did it because there's a few that are going to worship him. Man has a risk as well. I think when man risks love, he, especially when it applies to God, God's asked him to put, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. In other words, put God first. That's risky. If I, I mean, if you really took this seriously, if I put God first with my time and my talent, my tithe, all those things, if I really trusted God and put him first, that's a risky thing. How do I know if this is a this is a good idea or not. Jesus said in John 14, 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My father will love them and we will come to them. We, Holy God, the father, son, and the spirit will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And so there's a lot of teachings in here. And when, it, when I come across one that I realize, oh my gosh, I'm in violation of that one. Do I just say, ah, well, God will forgive me. Or do I say, ah, Lord, this is an attitude I don't really want to let go of. It's kind of one of my pet favorites. But I can see that in this book that I'm not 
You're supposed to hang on to that attitude. Or maybe not to hang on to that grudge. Or maybe I'm supposed to forgive that person. Are we really obeying? So, so when we obey him, we're saying we love him. We disobey him. What we're saying is we don't love him. And to me, that's risky to, to, to obey God and put him, put him first. Not long ago, we interviewed Brandon Nimmo. I got a chance to get across from him, and uh, he's a center fielder for the Mets. And he's living his life and his faith out in a big venue. And one of the questions that was asked of him when, when we were interviewing was, uh, you know, how do you keep your faith in this kind of environment? And he didn't really say the risk part of it, but I can tell you it's risky. It's risky to put yourself out there and say, this is who I am. This is my, I'm a follower of Christ. In a big venue like New York City, man, they could, you can get jumped on pretty quickly in, the, in that kind of environment. And yet the, he risks putting God and giving God the glory in, in his, seemingly everything that he does, or seemingly fearless, but it's a risk that he takes. I, thought, I, I was fascinated by this risk. One of the ways he, he does this is he has a walk-up song. We say, well, what do, you, what do you do as you're witnessing? Well, just little things in little ways, but like his walk-up song, every time he comes to the plate, they play a song. Well, if you remember Cain, well, they came here a few, a couple of Christmases ago and they sang, and one of the songs they had was Blessed. We actually liked that song so well, we actually built a whole sermon series around Blessed. And it goes, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed, uh, hallelujah, I'm blessed. On my best day, I'm a child of God. On my worst day, I'm a child of God every day is a great day and you're the reason why I'm so blessed it goes on and it's like you know that is sounds like a great cool ch song to play in church is your walk-up song in New York pretty gutsy pretty risky right I just thought those are cool things that little ways to say you know God I'm I'm gonna risk my question I want to ask you today is like are you risking anything in your of your faith in your neighborhood or in your family, maybe challenging your family member that's a long way from God to say, you know, maybe you could join me sometime for church. Or maybe you could, maybe a, a grow group that you're a part of or something. Talk about the spiritual thing. It's risky. Because what if this person thinks that I'm a Bible thumper, right? That's a risk. When we obey God, this, I will tell you there's risk. And it says, when you obey me, that means you love me. And I'm telling you, there's a risk as a part of that. When God taps on your heart and asks you to, maybe you should share your testimony with that person. Or maybe you should encourage this person. Or maybe you should forgive this person. Or maybe you've been holding a grudge a long time against this person. It's like, that's obeying. And that can be risky. And yet, I think we're challenged to love to the degree of a risk. The final one is, I think, is how important it is that we, we, uh, once we meet Jesus, I, this is another little, little side note from when we, our conversation with Brandon, it's like, how do you deal with people that, I don't know, maybe disagree with you, maybe they have a different religion, he said, listen, I, I treat everybody, I try to treat everybody the same, because I want them to meet Jesus. And if they meet Jesus, everything will be different after that story. And I totally agree with that. But here's something they brought up I had never thought about. And I want to pass along. Now, by the way, someone asked me, are we going to get to see this, this interview? Yes. We actually captured this interview for Fellowship of Christian Athletes at a camp. 
and we cop captured that and nobody showed that part of it. We got all the footage and we're going to be able to show that at different times. So you're going to get to, he, he did a nice greeting and everything for the church. So we'll do that. But, but one of the things he said that I really hadn't thought of before, he said, you know, you look at somebody's life and there's just a little mention about this much mention of their life before they meet, meet Christ. A couple of things they did, they were this and they were this. Okay. After they meet Christ, there's a whole story. You look at Paul's life. He tortured the church a little, little bit. After he met Christ, books full, right? The Bible is full of his story. There's a whole bunch of story yet to be written. All they need to do is meet Christ. It's like, well, that's a cool way to say that. We need to risk. Because when someone took a risk on us, and my story after I met Christ was different. Think about Zacchaeus. Don't know much about him. Apparently he's a wee little man because that's what the song says. But I don't think it says it in the Bible. But anyway, he, we do know he's a tax collector. And Jesus came and basically said, Zacchaeus, come into your house. Jesus invited him over to his house. Jesus invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Kind of an interesting story. We don't know what the conversation was, but here's what the result was. At the end of the meal, Zacchaeus stood up and made this proclamation. If I've frauded, defrauded anybody, I will repay them fourfold. And if I've, if I've done anything in any other way, I'm going to pay them back. And they, he was just, the point is, you meet Jesus and a whole bunch of stuff. I don't think Jesus said, okay, here's what you got to do. You got to pay him back fourfold. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. I don't think he said that. He just met Jesus. And it changed everything about his trajectory. I can tell you there's a time in my life that I had a few of those kind of touches with Jesus. And it's changed the trajectory. And I think I need to be willing to risk in my faith to at the level of obedience that shows that there is a, a true love. I will risk because... I want to obey and I want to show I love my Lord. I think there's a risk of man's love for God as well. Finally, the risk of a spouse. There is a spousal risk, no question about it. Um, two people coming together as one is risky. Now, this is a perfect opportunity for me to say that my sweetheart and I, as of next week, next Sunday, I believe, will be married 40 years. Is that right? Give her a hand. That, I, seriously, she deserves a medal. Um, but thank you, darling, for sticking with me all these years. But um, seriously, and then what she'll sometimes add on is, well, it's actually 45. Meaning, I think what she's really saying is, yeah, I've tolerated him a long time. That's what I think she's saying. But no, we dated. We dated five years. And um, then we got married and all. But here's, here's my point is that, it may not have been as big a risk for us. I know her family. She knows my family. We grew up in the same church together. We knew each other. We dated in high school. We know the high school sweethearts and the whole thing. So we knew each other, and yet there's still a risk, right, in this marriage relationship. There's a risk of being hurt. There's a mis risk of being uh, mistrusted and all those. There's risks in this relationship, even though we've known each other a long time. There's still a risk. I can't imagine. Some of you meet online. You don't know that family background. You don't know their, each other very well. I can't imagine the risk that must feel like to have the kind of intimate relationship of a, of a married relationship. And yet it's risky. 
And yet the Bible says, and I'll show you that this risk is part of the, is a part of intimacy is risky. Let's look at first Corinthians chapter seven, verse four and five. It says this, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And then it goes on. So this whole idea, that is a risky statement to give yourself wholly to the other. What if they're unfaithful? What if this doesn't go well? That's risky. And I will tell you, it just shows to me in this microcosm of, of love that there's a, a great requirement of risk to love and to love well. Whether it's God loving us, I think he risked. He risked us, he risked putting, giving us free will, giving us this great grace. We may just trump on it. I think there's a risk for man when he, when he trusts God, puts God first. That's a risk. You could come to church and you can kind of walk to go through life and not put God first. But when, you, when you're putting God first and really trusting him, that's risky. When you're in a marriage relationship and you're risking, and some of you I know have had, maybe you're married and, and been married and divorced and married again. And, and that, that is risky. Again, you're saying, what if I get hurt again? Maybe you're dating and you've, you know, and as you've, what if I get hurt again? What if, what if this doesn't work out again? That, that risk is, you know, that risk significant. I think there's a lot of risk in love. But I think when risk happens and when God risks his, his life, lays down his life for us and we re realize that and we have a touch from Christ and we come back and are really at his feet. I think there's some, the worship that's, it's like, it's all worth it because we worship him. It's not like that whale. I mean, I, we can actually see it. You may even get a little bit of, of amazement. It does for me. It's like, I'm amazed. This whale got cut free. As soon as this whale got cut free, according to the divers, I'm just reading what they said. Maybe they embellished it. I don't know. But according to what they said, this massive 50 ton whale, that's big, went and swam around in circles like a dog that was been, when this owner gets home, and came back and nudged them, each one of them, with the one, each diver. They're out there just flopping around in the ocean, all right? Goes out, flops around, dances around, whatever the whales do. Probably not dance, but anyway, came back and nudged the guy. Well, that, that's crazy. And then goes up to the next one, and the next one? Wow. I just wonder... If you have 50 tons of, of adoration for your Lord, I think that's what he's looking for. I think that's why he risked this for us. I think he desires for us for just a little bit of appreciation to say, God, thank you. And when you come in here and worship and you're singing with all your heart, you're saying, God, I just want you to know I'm doing the very best I can to put you number one in everything in my life. Or Lord, I, I know I've screwed up this week and I'm sorry and I want to get this thing right. To me, that's, that's doing 
this Christianity and is doing this with some kind of a heart of worship and it's showing a great obedience, which is great love. Is it risky? Sure. Is it rewarding? No question. I'd like to pray with us for us all that we will risk in our worship. We'll risk in our obedience. We'll risk in our trust. Because if we don't risk, I don't think we're in a love. I don't think we're in a love very well until we risk really big. And I think our gratitude, our splashing around before God is, I think that's why he risked for us. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for, you, you didn't make us like the animals. You made us, we could think, we can reason, we can say no. I don't want to worship you, God. I'd, I'd rather worship the things that I want to worship. Would you give us an opportunity? And Lord, I pray for everyone that's sound of, sound of my voice that is wrestling with those thoughts. Do I make myself big or do I make God big? Do I worship and thank him? Or do I just take all the credit for myself? Lord, I pray for that, that person that's thinking about risking and putting you, putting the things of God first in his life or her life. Lord, I pray for that person that maybe is in a relationship and has been hurt, knows this spousal breakup. We know this relational breakup and it's painful. And to risk again, be called to, to love and be vulnerable again, God, I pray for that person, as I know that's, I know that's hard. But I think, Lord, at the, at the end of the sermon, I would just like to say, I, thanks for taking the risk on us. I pray that we're good at flapping around and coming back and saying, God, thanks. That we'd have 50 tons of gratitude. Thank you for taking a risk on me. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us in this week's Sermon Cast podcast. Remember to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss any of our content like our regular Cheyenne Hills podcast where Pastor Galen Huck and the learned Nathan Winters discuss modern issues facing Christians today. Check out our church's website at CheyenneHills.org, download our app, and most importantly, be strong and very courageous. God bless you.